Thanks for being patient as I set up these chairs. Uh, if this is your maybe first Sunday with us, uh, this week might look a little different, um, but we're really excited about it. This is something that we've been doing for, um, I don't know, maybe I guess the last year and a half is making space occasionally to share stories as a congregation, um, to have people come on up and share different aspects from their life and their faith and their journey following Jesus. So last time we had uh, Haley and Tina come on up and share, and it was just such a gift to have them be a part of this experience. And I know I've heard from many of you that the time that we get sharing stories is just super impactful. So um, this Sunday we have uh, my friends James and Ida uh, sharing with us. Could we just give them a round of applause, please? Um, and so we're going to just talk a little bit about life and um, how we integrate um, our faith and kind of the rest of our uh, daily coming and going. And so I'm just going to invite James uh, to come on up and grab a seat. Here is your microphone. Hope Thank it works. So much power. Um, yes, yeah, so much power. Um, Thanks for having me. James is... A good friend of mine. Um, we have known each other for, for a number of years. Uh, we went to university together. Um, you were my brother's roommate. Still That's are correct. his yeah. housemate. Actually still am, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, no, it's actually we, great. Um, we get along pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> um, James serves with our youth ministry here at the church, and um, he gets to hang out with our middle school boys um, every Tuesday. Uh, and I know I can speak for all the middle school guys and that James is one of the most uh, fun people to be around. Um, so uh, we're just going to walk through a number of questions um, that uh, James has prepared some response for. Um, and so I just want to invite you to lean in um, and hear what James has to say. So let's just pray before we start. Uh, God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that uh, you're doing amazing things. and You're transforming us. You're using our stories to reach people. Um, and so as James shares, we reflect on our own stories, our own lives, um, and how you have been present and working. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Question number one. So, uh, James, would you give us a summary of who you are? Just a huge net yeah, cast just upon a you. Really uh, small question. Yeah. <laughs> name, family, interests, what yeah. you do, all that stuff. Okay, yeah, no, um, so I'm James Froze. Um, some people pronounce Froze as phrase, but the, <laughs> I, I might have some words for you if you, if you say phrase. Uh, so I grew up in Vandehoof, BC, um, kind of a, lots of Mennonites in that town, and, uh, and uh, yeah, shout out to the Mennonites in, the, in here. <laughs> um, my family still lives, in, or my parents still live in Vandehoof, BC, and I have three siblings that live in uh, Edmonton currently, Two of them are going to school, um, and one of them is uh, a server at a restaurant. And um, yeah, I, I recently graduated from Trinity, like Reese as well. And um, fun story, I actually met Reese on my first day at Trinity, and I thought I was moving into his dorm, and then I wasn't. I was like, oh. It was devastating for both of us. It was. I was like, oh, no. But then I got his brother, so it was yeah. good. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I guess a little bit about me as I... You know, I like sports, I like to 
like play volleyball, hit the gym, skiing, like just goofing around with the youth. It's uh, honestly is one of my highlights of my week. Um, I like spending time with my girlfriend. She's in the back. Say hi to her. Adriana is her name. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> um, and uh, I currently am working for a company that sells John Deere equipment, uh, construction excavators, skid steers, um, uh, called Brant Tractor. Um, and I just started there a couple months ago, actually. Um, and that's been a, a bit of a, a story. Michael has some inside scoop on, you know, that whole uh, development, but it's, uh, I, I appreciate you guys just even in the, the support and, and the sort of the, uh, family that I feel here, um, in, in the process of even coming into a new job. Uh, it feels really stable to be a part of the family here. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, yeah, sounds good. Thanks for sharing. Uh, James, uh, came to Calvary, um, it would have been 2021, um, yeah. when you were a youth intern in the yeah. summer. And um, it was one of those experiences in which um, usually it takes a while to like, when you come into a new church to kind of feel at home and like, and I don't know what that process was like for you, but I know for everyone, it was kind of like you had been here for like 20 years. <laughs> and so yeah. it was cool to just see that friendship built. No, I definitely uh, felt welcomed yeah. like, right away. It was... Tell us a little bit about how you came to follow Jesus and kind of some of the spiritual experiences that have shaped you in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, my parents are Christians, um, and I definitely came to follow Christ at a young age. I would say like age four or five, I believe, was when I, you know, asked Jesus into my heart and kind of like, you know, that, that prayer that many kids pray when they're young and in the church especially um and I, I like i acknowledge jesus as somebody that i need um in you know whatever capacity i had when i was like four or five years old um and yeah i i guess i would say at a young age i knew jesus was really important um and i knew i needed him uh, but I also had this understanding of, like, there's right things and then there's wrong things. And, like, I, I had a really good grasp of of what right and wrong was. Um, and I kind of com sort of combined those two ideas, like Jesus and the right and wrong. So it's like, you know, with Jesus, you have these right and wrong things, which which is true. But, but I had to, that's a process of learning, like... Um, grace really is is the, the the end goal of what i'm trying to learn here but um that's that's skipping a bit ahead but um yeah growing up i i definitely um sort of related jesus with following the rules and that was a large part of how i acted around my friends i w kind of was like uh, hard on myself like really strict as well as on my friends um sort of expecting them to be you know what I thought was right and wrong, um, as I understood it, looking at Jesus. Um, but I, if I could describe my process of coming to know Jesus, it's like waking up, or like the process of waking up in the morning when you don't really know when you fully woke up. And I, like I don't, I don't really know when I fully like woke up and was following Jesus. I don't like it. It still feels like 
I'm actually always in the gradual process of waking up and like realizing more about Jesus, mm. um, like realizing who he is and, and experiencing more about him and with him and, and going through life in, in like the process of like, I think that's really what I was thinking is the process of sanctification, like becoming more like Jesus is the process of continually waking up to him and, and, um, I feel like that's a description of how I've come to know Jesus because there hasn't been a shining moment of me following him, but but that's definitely um, part of my story. Um, a few spiritual experiences that have shaped me um, are, I, the first one that stands out is kind of funny. It, I, <laughs> you can laugh at if you want, but... I, I went to Bible school for my first year away from home, and I was like, I was kind of nervous about living on my own. I was like, oh man, my first time away from home, how's it going to go? And I, I felt like God provided everything I needed that year, but I was, I was specifically like, just like amazed at how he provided food. <laughs> uh, and I, I know, it's kind of funny. It's like, like, okay, yeah, of course there's going to be food at Bible school, but I, I was like, I was just amazed that I went to this new place with none of my family, none of my friends. I, well, I brought one friend with me to Bible school, but I showed up there and, and somehow I, um, it, like it was, it, it, it was just kind of like a simple, like it made sense sort of thing that God would provide food. Like I paid for school and, and there was food there, but I, for some reason, it struck me that, like, to have good Mennonite cooking food at Bible school was, like, it just, it was, like, God's provide, provision in my life, and, and it just hit me. I can't explain it more than that, but it, it was so, like, I just know that God is going to provide for me, because he provided food in that year when I wasn't cooking it, but he, he is faithful to provide, and, and because of that, I think I have less worries about the future uh, in terms of, like, what I need. Um, another story that I have that has shaped me was um, I worked in the logging industry as a skitterman for a year, and that year was had its challenges, like lots of long hours and working by myself, um, lots of different challenges. But through that year, I learned that God cares about the details of my life in a very intimate way that um, so th there were many times in that year that God helped me in very like specific ways but one example of how he did this was I remember I was having a really bad day and I was really grumpy I was probably tired bored and maybe a bit lonely um, and I was working away just being grumpy by myself and then my machine broke down and I was like, ah, now, I, now I'm, I could be more grumpy now. Um, but I, then I had to stop and I had to fix my machine, but it meant I got to go hang out with one of my other coworkers who was helping me fix the machine, chat and get out of the machine and, and um, sort of be, you know, free to like change up the day. Um, and I didn't really notice it in the moment, but after the fact, I realized that that was God giving me a break and, and like giving me something that I needed in that moment and saying like, stop, 
overthinking things and stop being grumpy. Like I have you, I, I see you where you're at and here's a, here's a break. And, and I, like, I chose to believe that that was what he was doing. Um, and I think it's interesting because when we choose to believe that that was from God, we actually, it, it's easier, at least in my experience to, to, so when we choose to trust those things as being from God, um, we start to see more and more of God in our lives and yeah. more of his, his provision um, as we go. Um, some other things that came to mind when I was thinking of this was um, he allowed me to catch my flight home for Christmas this year, and I was, like, really thankful for that. My first flight was canceled, and I got on the, the flight, like, five hours later, which was really actually a huge blessing. And, um, and I believe it was from God because he... Yeah, he let me and like gave me that gift. Um, and yeah, God is teaching me to um, learn to be sort of more independent in my thinking and not think that he's the one that makes the decisions for me, but I can actually like make decisions on my own. And that's a bit of, maybe I'll get to that a bit about my new job, but um, yeah, to, to learn to make your own decisions and also know that God is with you every step of the way in those decisions um, is has been something that I've been learning and, and has been impacting me. Um, but, yeah, I think that's kind of... Sweet. Kind of where Thanks, I'm at. James. Um, so heading into the new year, I feel like a lot of us have um, ideas and vision for how we want this year to look in terms of um, integrating our faith and our life, our work, um, stuff at home. Um, how do you uh, kind of integrate your faith um, intentionally into your life at home and at work? How do you follow Jesus in these spaces? What does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like this question. Um, it's like, I think it's not so much about... Um, trying to like work my faith into my life. But I, I guess I, I try to make my life consistent through every aspect of my life. And I, I really want to be a consistent person in every, every area work at home, at school, when I was at school. Um, and um, yeah, so like I, I, I don't want to just do things to sort of make my faith feel present in those spaces, but I, I want to be a unified person uh, and like, yeah, consistent with every person I talk to. Um, I, I'd like to be able to say that I'm like always bold to talk about my faith with my coworkers. Um, that's not the reality. Like I just don't. Um, you know, if the relationship isn't there and you don't have any sort of space to talk about your faith, it's not going to come up. But um, but I want to be consistent in my actions and I don't want to um, just let their thoughts become mine in that space. I want to stay consistent and, and keep my eyes on God in every um, sort of area of life. Um, yeah. yeah. Let me see. I'll, I have one more note here that I wrote. What did I write? 
um, it, it, yeah, it takes intentional effort to always like remember and uphold my faith, um, in, in like workplace and at home, um, and, and to kind of keep my faith as, as like something that is more valuable than the conversation that might be happening at work or like the different views that, that other non-Christians might have. Um, and I've been thinking of it in terms of like, what's truly more important to me in, in this situation? Like, do I want to just seamlessly fit into what's happening here? Or do I want to uphold and hold on to what God is and like who God is in the moment? Um, so, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks James. Last question. Um, what guidance or wisdom do you have uh, to share with the church in terms of um, attempting to follow Jesus in every area of our life? So like you said, like kind of just staying consistent, being the same person at church and at work, mm-hmm. at home, all that stuff. What kind of advice and guidance do you have? Mm-hmm. The first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this question um, was to be honest in all situations. And that means like honest with myself and honest with other people. Um, like brutally honest is, is the way I've described honesty before that I tried to be brutally honest with myself of like, what, what, am, what are my motivations and, and what are things driving me? Um, I, I want to, yeah, it, Honesty is such a good way to live because like I, I work in sales now and if you're not honest, people are gonna not trust you. And so it, it literally just works for work, for work and also for life. And, um, but, but being honest then allows you to um, let people into the real you and, and they're gonna see the real faith that you have, if if you're honest about it with yourself, and, and like honest about where your faith is at, um, any anybody you work with is going to see that eventually, um, and yeah, I, on, like honesty is a, a really uh, big key that I have been striving for to to be honest. But I would encourage you all to to yeah look into your yourself and and just be honest about. You know what? What is motivating me? Um, and it, it's a great way to build relationships because people get a greater understanding of who who we are, and um, yeah, and and it's just an, a good way to build those regular interactions. Um, a couple other things that I have been thinking of that I try to do um, that I I want to encourage each of you in is to just care for everyone that you that you talk to. Um, and I, I think that's like a really practical way to just um, live out our faith, is just like listen to people and, and really care, like actually care mm. about them. And um, it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty fun, but, um, and uh, I, I'll, I'll go quickly here, a couple more things, but, some other things that I try to do is just like, when I think of it, invite God into my day and, and ask him to fill me with his Holy Spirit. Um, 
and and go through the day with that as like the the foundation um and a couple other things i've been thinking lately is that um to let god do the transformation work and not me to to trust him with the outcome of of my efforts of following him but um to to surrender it to him and i really liked the way that the song we just sang with michael um said it when i trust you i don't need to understand um that we we let him be the one who transforms us and um, i was talking with adriana that yesterday actually that living with god's grace at the center of why we do what we do is is so important um and so what i mean by that is to let god's grace be sort of the motivator of of why um we do what we do not to be righteous on our own but to let god's grace um transform us at the core of who we are um and uh yeah, and uh, one last little thought that I had is to find friends with similar experiences and talk with them. Is and that's a really helpful way to uh, find somebody that can relate to what we're going through in work or at, at home, and just you know get different experiences and hear different opinions and perspectives on things. And um, that's my last sort of yeah final thing. Thank you so much, James. Um, can we just give James a hand? Uh, this has been, I know I've been really impacted by uh, the honesty that you bring to situations and um, the wisdom that you bring. And I think for all of us, it's important to reflect on, okay, this year, this could be a year in which every day we wake up and we invite the Holy Spirit into our day. And what could that look like? What could God do? And so... Uh, let's pray and then we'll head back into worship. God, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for James. Um, and God, for any of us that um, needed this word, that uh, needed to hear what James had to say, would you um, imprint it on our hearts and would we carry it with us as we head into 2023? In your name we pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to invite Ida up to join me. Um, would you give Ida a round of applause? Thank you, Ida, who has generously agreed to come on up and have this conversation. Um, Ida um, is, has been part of our church family for how many years? About five years. Five years. Uh, with uh, Coleman and Riley and Abby, and we just love the Tam family, and so thought, love to ask <laughs> Ida to have this conversation. And so, um, Ida, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little summary, um, what you're all about. Um, yeah, so my name is Ida. Um, I am married to my husband, Coleman, and if you guys were here for the Christmas Eve service and you saw a man with a very colorful <laughs> suit, that was Coleman. Um, 
I have two children, Riley, who is 13, and Abby is 11, so I am in the thick of preteen and teenage years. <laughs> I have lots of stories, but if I tell those stories, I would be canceled right away in the household, <laughs> so there will be no stories of my children today. Um, we've been attending Calgary for about five or so years, and um, we decided to visit Calgary. We were looking for a new church. We had like mild connections to Calvary, so Abby had gone to preschool here, and we kind of suspected that we, we, our friend's brother-in-law was pastoring the church, and so we're like, okay, if we're gonna look around the neighborhood, why don't we start with Calvary? And I remember on the day that we visited, Coleman said, babe, in and out, right? Like in and out, and then we're done. <laughs> And so we came and we're walking up the front and lo and behold, the person that was signed to be at the door was probably the one person who might recognize us, which was Deandra. And so we probably have met her like twice before. And then, so Coleman was like, maybe she won't recognize us. And I was like, yeah, maybe. And we walk up and Deandra was like, Coleman, <laughs> we're like, oh no, in and out, that didn't happen, and I think that was like the end of our church shopping, <laughs> so, so that's how we kind of got connected here at uh, Calvary, and um, by profession, I am a probation officer, I am the senior probation officer at downtown community court located in the downtown east side, uh, I supervise and provide a support for four integrated outreach team in the downtown east side. So on my teams, I have two probation officers, a welfare worker, a VPD officer, a social worker, outreach worker, a psych nurse, and a part-time psychiatrist. And then the clients that are put on our teams are the clients that are um, struggling and kind of being fallen in, into the cracks, I would say. And so they often have multiple complex needs, they're homeless, they're struggling with substance use, they have unaddressed, unaddressed health needs, and probably undiagnosed and untreated mental health issues. And so our model service is quite different from a traditional probation offices. We for we focus less on their criminal behavior and their criminal offense, and we focus on addressing their overall health needs and wellness needs, because we know that some of the reason why they're committing crimes are because of homelessness, poverty, um, systemic issues. So, um, so our goal is really to keep the clients out of jail, and build trust and rapport, and then providing care that is trauma-informed. So a lot of the people that you hear on the news are on my teams, and so there's also lots of pressure to not have the clients be back on the news. So, um, and provide a, like a wraparound care is what we call it. And so that's our goal, but real, realistically I would say right now like, keeping them alive is already the most difficult. I think before Christmas break, our teams lost about like four different peoples on our teams and it was, it was really hard before Christmas break because that just like compounds the fact that we built the relationships, we care for them because we get to know them so well and then we lose them. So it's been a difficult um, 
season right now at, at work. And so when I am stressed out, I clean and I bake. <laughs> uh, so my husband laughs because I always have a broom at my house because I'm always sweeping. Um, it's very therapeutic. Um, and I also find just baking turning like negative energy into something sweet and to give away, it just kind of balanced me out during, uh, during my life. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Uh, before we kind of jump into um, maybe more about like what you're doing on the downtown east side and work stuff and, and stuff like that, um, tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus and some of the spiritual experiences that you've had that have shaped you. So um, I also, like James, I have grown up in a Christian family. Um, my grandfather was actually a missionary in China that left China to plant church in Brunei, which is a tiny little Muslim country in Southeast Asia. And so because it's a Muslim country, it was underground church. And so growing up um, in Brunei, we would go to someone's house and worship the Lord. And, and um, my parents, even though there were risks involved in, in worshiping God, was very diligent in their faith. And so um, I think watching my parents in their journey here has been a big factor in why I continue to be Christian. They left uh, Brunei so that my brother and I could have a better life, more freedom, more choices. Um, to have and and um, I would say leaving Brunei was probably a huge sacrifice for them professionally, emotionally, financially. They moved from another country, had to learn English. We were very very far from their extended family to have not not, not nothing but just a, a different way of life and and um, but the first thing they did was to find a church. And God led them to a church that was um, very rich in community. And so the church community became our extended family. And they were my parents' you know, support uh, growing up. And so um, they sheltered them with love and support during their tough times. And I think um, in that, um, it kind of made me always been uh, wherever we left to, wherever we moved to, to find a church community that was the same as my parents. Yeah, so that's kind of a big factor. And just some spiritual experience. I think I probably, the Lord probably became real to me as a teenager. I think I was in a group of friends that started to experiment with like, drinking and other things that I wasn't comfortable with as a Christian and then I left that um, that group of friends and, and for a while I felt very very lonely like what am I doing now I have no friends in high school which was a big deal and then God came and and there was a youth leader that created a girl's uh, small group that carried me during my high school years to provide that love and support and so then God became really real for me then to, to, to show like he loved me, he cared for me, he was going to provide, a, a, again, a community of care for me when I was feeling so alone. Um, currently, I would say um, my current season with God is, again, a rediscoverer of community. So when God called me to the downtown east side during the pandemic, 
I did not go willingly, let me just say. I didn't know much about the East Side beyond what you hear on the news, which is like crime, drugs, violence. And, um, and then, you know, I would drive through the downtown East Side, going to Stanley Park, make sure the doors were locked. That was my connection to the downtown East Side. So when God called me there, I was like, mm, yeah, okay, sure. And um, I was like, I don't know. And I had many conversations with God about why I shouldn't be in the downtown East Side. Um, all the reasons were, you know, my own comforts, my own uh, reluctancy, things like, but Lord, it's a pandemic. I have elderly parents and it's so far away from home and I will have to take transit and I'm gonna lose my four day work week. I'll have less time with the kids. And, and but you know, the sermons here was very Dave's sermon. Your sermons were just like, just kind of pressing the heart, be like, okay, fine, I will apply for this job. That will be my first step. I'll put my name into it. I'll interview, but you're going to have to give the job to me because I really don't want it. And so I went through the process, and I remember when I got the call in my comfy office, in my private office, I answered the phone, and, and, um, and Katie's like, congratulations, Ida. And I was like, I hung up the phone and I looked up at the sky. I was like, Lord, really? Like, really? You want me there? And so, um, and so that was, <laughs> yeah. And my kid's like, I don't understand why you would leave so far away and go there. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I was like, well, God called me. So here I am. And it's been a year and a half now in the downtown east side. And in many ways, it's been worse, it's gotten worse. I'm sure you guys have heard about the encampment issues and, and Hastings, and there's been hard moments, morally challenging moments, um, sad moments, funny moments, and just God's lesson moments. But I don't wanna focus on the negative side of that downtown east side, and I just wanna share with you kinda what it does well and what I have noticed in the year and a half is the downtown east side does community really, really well. If you guys have ever been down there, there's always people walking about. There's not the ability to pine behind our cars and our houses and our busy schedules or our technology and everybody's out in the neighborhood People are not shy to say hi and make conversations, and everybody seems to know everybody um, despite what is happening down there. They do community really well, and they're not hesitate to just pull their resources to to survive. And I, I and one of those God changing moments was I was on outreach with a client of mine and we were late because they have no concept of time. And I was walking and I was like, we're gonna be late for this appointment. I need to find you a, a, a healthcare to take care of your needs, so let's go. So we're walking and we're walking, lo and behold, my client runs across and comes across friends and started chatting away. And I was like, really getting really annoyed because I was like, I have better things to do with my time. Like, let's go, we gotta go, say hi, like, let's go. And as we were leaving, I just, um, I, I saw him like take money out of his pocket to give to this friend. And, 
And as you walked away, I, I, I was like, what are you going to do now? You just gave away your, the last of your money. Welfare is not for like two more weeks. I was like, what are you going to do? And I was like being like the mother, <laughs> mother, trying to lecture him. And he looked at me, he's like, I know you're going to help me kind of sarcastically because I would. I would buy him food, I would clothe him, I, I would have helped him. But then he stomped and then he looked at me with all this genuineness in his voice. Sorry. And he said, he needed it more than I do. Mm. And um, I was just blown away by his radical generosity. Because wow. he had nothing. I mean, you know, and so here I thought I was helping him, but really he was teaching me yeah. what community and uh, generosity means. Sorry. No, of course. Yeah, so yeah. it's been um, that kind of season there, but it's also very refreshing because in, during the pandemic, we didn't have that community here at church. And so when the pandemic lifted, one of the things that um, God challenged me was lean into the community because we, we've been come here, but we would just come and go. But um, after spending the year and a half there, it was one of the things that I was mindful of to lean into the community. So we got connected more. Um, my kids, my kids um, have been plugged into youth group and girls club. And um, I've been serving um, with Tina and Brenda and Laura in girls club. And that has been... Uh, amazing because there are some days I'm emotionally exhausted and I was like I don't want to do girls club today I just want to go home and veg out but Brenda always has something fun planned and every time I come here and after time I leave I always feel super rejuvenated after um, coming and playing and it just really offsets sometimes the heaviness and the chaotic nature of my work to just come here and just play with the kids so that's been yeah. um very fulfilling. Yeah. Thank you, Ida. Um, just a couple more questions for you. So um, I know that for some of us, it's, very, it's been very simple to um, follow Jesus in our workplace or integrate you know, our faith and our work. And maybe a lot of us don't see it that way as like faith and work and home and trying to mix all this stuff. But I know for a lot of people, it, it does kind of feel that way. Like how do we... Like, here I am at church on Sunday, and I feel inspired, and I'm, I'm ready to follow Jesus, but how do I make this work at home, or how do I make this work at, um, you know, at work, or something like that? So, um, how do you intentionally live out your, your life following Jesus at work, or at home, or just kind of outside of maybe the church? Um, I think for me, it's just intentionally practicing, like, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Um, because some of this fruit that God has called us to be is so count, like, countercultural in terms of patience and kindness and goodness, especially when you're trying to practice those that in some ways the culture say they don't deserve this, right? They commit crimes, they're supposed to be in jail. But, um, but Really, when you practice that, you become like a lamppost in the darkness. Because I have a client 
again, he would be outside of the office and he would just scream and scream my name until I come out and see him. Hmm. Like literally screaming to the point where they're like, you need to go out and see him. Um, and, and so people will be like, how do you do it? How do you have the patience to do it? And, and it's because this patient that is only provided with God that I'm able to have the energy to, to, yeah. to deal with him and not to come out and be like, what do you want? But to just say, hey, what's going on? And, and so that only comes from God. And I think when you practice that, you draw those people and you have those conversations. And, and so, yeah, I would say practice the fruit of the spirit intentionally. Um, I think I also find myself constantly assessing what I'm chasing after. Um, what am I putting value on? Is it the car I drive? Is it how much money in the bank account? Because those things sometimes, I think, because it's so such a forefront that you start to believe in it because that's yeah. what everybody believes. And so it's always a reminder of myself. It's like, what is, what am I chasing at the end of the day? And I think that always helps. And I think um, Dave's sermon recently on, on like being the loser <laughs> in life is winning in the eyes of the Lord. So I, yeah. I've been practicing kind of reminding and assessing what my, my goal is. So. All right. Well, final question. Uh, any advice or wisdom, guidance for those who are wrestling with this, heading into the new year, trying to practice following Jesus holistically? Any, any advice? So when I started thinking about what I was going to share, I was going to go into like this other tangent, and then at like 12 o'clock at night, it was like, no, you need to talk about community. <laughs> I had to change everything. So I would say if you were looking to follow Jesus, lean into the community here, because community is not only like a noun, but a verb in terms of like an act of being present, an act of intentionally building relationships, because God created us to be first and foremost in a relationship with him. And then I feel then it's a relationship with the people, the church family, and then you're going out to build more community with the people in your lives who may or may not know God. And so I would say, lean into the people here, look around in our lives, at work, uh, at church, at school, and who are the community members that God is challenging to you to have relationship with, because it is, our, our lives are difficult and we need each other. So, you know, look around, take a, take a chance, build community and relationships. Thank you. And we honestly, we have been so blessed by yours and Coleman and, and Riley and Abby, your willingness to step into community here, and so, uh, and your willingness to, to be up here with me. Thank you. So can we just thank Ida? Um, um, let me just pray uh, before we head into the next thing. So God, thank you for um, all that you've done here through this conversation and how you've ministered to our hearts through um, Ida's story and her experiences. And so, uh, God, um, would you help inspire us, Holy Spirit, to be more like you, um, whether we're at the grocery store, whether we're passing someone on the street, whether we're at home or here at church, would we follow you with all of ourselves holistically? And so, God, thank you for Ida and the Tam family. Uh, we bless them, we honor them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thank you, Ida.